making a no-budget film, it's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur storming the beaches with the force of a hundred thousand soldiers. Instead, you're you're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines, trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits. The odds stacked against you. It's risky, difficult, and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there. Yeah, Dave is inspired, I can tell. <laughs> uh, so, um, let's see. Let's go ahead and, and, and begin our um, topic for today's show, which is uh, kind of a reflection on the topic of last week's show, isn't it? I feel, I feel like we are, we're sort of pulling a thread of a sweater, and this, is, this was the sort of natural conclusion of that journey. Yeah, well put. Uh, so what we talked about last week was um, how the uh, fears and anxieties of society influence cinema, specifically horror cinema. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're kind of showing us our own fears back to us. Right, But right. Um, today we wanted to go another, the other direction, uh, which is um, when we see these movies, how do they affect us? Uh, how, how, do, how are our fears and anxieties as a, as a society and uh, as individuals uh, influenced by the uh, fictional stories that we take in? Right, right. Last week was more about art imitating life, and this uh, this episode is going to be a little bit more about life imitating art, or at least influenced by it. Yeah, influenced. Uh, yeah. On your recommendation, I watched a film last night oh, called okay. Behind Behind the Curve. Oh boy, Behind the Curve. Yeah. Boy, and and I made, and I made it. Yeah, and I and I um I have a lot I have a lot of thoughts on this film, but I think it's it speaks to the point you're trying to make. Yeah, well, th- yeah. Behind the curve is uh, not a fiction. It's um, a documentary that's on Netflix right now about the uh, people who believe the Earth is flat, right? And um, the world they live in, and the the move movement really that they're that they're starting of I don't know how to describe it uh, anti science sort of. Well, not from their perspective, not right? From their, from their, well, yeah. from their perspective, yeah. they've done the experiments, and they just don't make sense. And I think, I think one of the things that immediately jumped out as I watched this film, the director, by the way, is Daniel J. Clark. Um, it's on Netflix now. Yeah. And um, I thought they did a decent job of giving the people their platform, while at the same time, I, I don't know if they intentionally made them look silly, but they kind of they make themselves look silly, certainly, but. But one of the things that jumped out at me is that they, um, there's a lot of, of comfort in their, <clears throat> there's a lot of comfort in their knowledge or their perceived knowledge of the shape of the earth that is, you know, guarded from the rest of the public. Oh yeah. I mean, everybody in that documentary that was on the side of the flat earthers totally considers themselves the, you know, the smartest person in the room because they know the secret knowledge that everybody else is uh has been tricked you know into yeah, this global yeah. theory um, and you could tell like the, the the lead person um the story that they're following is that of a guy named mark Sargent. yeah that's right and Sergeant. um you know you, you see these a lot of his interviews are taking place in his room you know he's kind of an older guy you know he looks like a guy who spends a lot of time 
nerding out, you know, and not yeah, that there's anything be. necessarily wrong with that, but it, it definitely has that vibe, right? And this has sort of become his passion. Like he got kind of he got introduced to it at some point through videos on the internet, and he's gone down that rabbit hole, and it's 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 become the thing that he obsesses about. Yes, yes, and and um, that he talks about a, a particular movie, and that was what it kind of kind of um, you know sparked my my curiosity about this whole thing and, and made it made me think we should explore this topic because uh, he says that uh, he kind of describes his history that he's always been interested in conspiracy theories and uh, right. thinking there's something else going on but then at one point in the film uh, toward the beginning he says he saw I guess back in you know the early 2000s he saw the film The Truman Show with right. uh, Jim Carrey it came out in uh, was it 1998 that movie came mm-hmm. out and um, he saw this example of how a person could completely live his life inside of this, what's essentially a giant soundstage right. and, and never know it. And, it, and he's, he says that got him thinking, you know, and then uh, eventually when he started hearing these flat earth theorists talk about their uh, views, he went back to that, you know, example of the Truman show and it um, he was convinced and right. and that that kind of you know that that film particularly uh it seems to keep popping up like this i i read a book recently called uh, suspicious minds it's it's uh written Is by about Elvis uh, Presley? Uh, no it's not actually <laughs> and it's and in fact it's not the only book about uh Madness and conspiracy theorists uh, called <laughs> Suspicious Minds, but this one is um, Suspicious Minds: How Culture Shapes Madness. It's by uh, Dr. Joel Gold. He yeah. he wrote it with his brother. He was a um, a uh, psychiatrist uh, working out in New York, and somewhere around the the early two thousands, he started noticing that a lot of his patients had this um, this kind of new delusion uh, that they were the stars of their own reality TV shows. And that only they knew it, uh, or not, right, well, not right. only they knew. Obviously, the viewers knew it too, but that they and they would do things to try to prove this. Uh, like one of his patients wasn't even from New York. He believed that when the um, the World Trade Center was attacked, and he saw that on TV, he believed that was just an episode in his show. So he had the idea that if he went to New York and the World Trade Center was still there then that would prove that his life was in fact a reality TV show. And that was just done for ratings. Wow. Yeah. You know, one of the things in, in watching this is, um, you know, with conspiracy theorists and conspiracy minded people, what they usually, where they usually start is on some kernel of truth. Right. Yeah. In the society that we live in there, there is, this is proven that their government in particular, has done, you know, a lot of shady, um, has done a lot of shady activity over the years. They've hit from American people, right? Um, when you look at the, uh, you know, Bay of Pigs invasion, and you look at going overseas and our reasoning behind attacking Iraq in more recent years, there's there's evidence over time that shows that the government and, and governments in general are willing to do a lot of less than moral, make a lot of less than moral decisions in order to perpetuate whatever their agenda is. Oh yeah. And yeah, there, there are real conspiracies. Absolutely. 
And just like we've talked about in the last few episodes where people are looking to find an identity or looking to relate with something in some way, and there's a, especially when we were talking about the, the movie Lords of Chaos, this uh -huh. idea of trying to create some identity for yourself, I think that it speaks volumes that a lot of these people who truly believe that the earth is flat are people who probably never felt like they belonged and they were needing some kind of something to wrap their head around and to buy into to give them some sort of validation. Yeah, I'm sure there's some connections there, definitely. it's. Uh, I mean, they are uh, seem to be, from that documentary, a pretty tight-knit community, and it is nice to belong to things like that. Well, um, it was interesting. It's interesting that Mark, you know, one of the first things he kind of launches into you know, it, it's one thing for him to believe it, but I think what what really put him over the top is he he started talking about all the merchandise. There's a scene in the, in the documentary where he starts talking about all the merchandise that has become associated with flat Earth, right? Oh yeah. You can get you can get your flat Earth watch and your flat Earth socks and your you know he's just yeah. he's listing through it, right? There's that guy that makes um, I guess they're not globes, but they're flat Earth models. Models, yeah. Yeah, and you can see where the reception like. Look how cool this is. You can see the excitement in his eyes. He's mm -hmm. legitimately trying to convey his excitement that he belongs. Yeah. Right? That he belongs to something, even if it's something like this. Um, and, and you know, again, like you said, he was always conspiracy. He always had sort of a mind for conspiracy. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like super outlandish for him to believe something that wasn't um, standard. Right. But that and that's the thing, though, is that what you're talking about a mind for conspiracy. It's it. What kind of, you know, what kind of fictional influences can lead to that? Because think of the conspiracy that would have to exist in order to convince most of the people on the world uh, on on Earth that their planet is round when in fact it is flat. I mean, what would be the inspiration for that? Who would be behind that? Um, I think, you know, I think how many movies, people yeah. are, are needed to keep this conspiracy moving along? Well, you know, I think one of the movies that's almost always references the Matrix. Take the red pill, right? Wasn't that Take the, the yeah. red pill? Yeah. 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 So, you know, you know, movies like The Lawnmower Man, which we referenced last week, and, and movies yeah, yeah. like The Matrix and The Dark World, which is one of my favorite films. Dark, highly underrated. Dark City? Oh, sorry, Dark City. Yes, yes, yes sorry, Dark City. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's another. Yeah, that's a great example. That's another one where all these people believe in their they're in this one reality of a, this city and in fact it's uh, aliens manipulating them uh, right and if you think if you think about it i believe the matrix came out in 99 uh, the truman show came out in 98 and i want to say dark city came in right in around there because yeah. I remember thinking, man, if Dark City, if the Matrix had come out right around the same time as Dark City, Dark City probably would have done much better. It, it's it's sort of a cult classic, but it didn't have the big mainstream appeal that, while while tackling some very common themes that say the Matrix had. Uh huh. Yeah, it wasn't as and it wasn't as big a, a scale. It was sort of like a sample right. of human population that was just a uh, kind of existing on this little. Uh, you know, petri dish planet floating somewhere right. in the universe. It wasn't like all of humanity was experiencing this in the way that the Matrix described. But if you think about it, in Dark City, it they are on a flat surface, aren't they? If I oh yeah, it's, it's a flat world. Yeah, it's literally just a giant petri dish uh, floating in the universe, somewhere in the universe that uh, where these human subjects are being uh, experimented on. 
Right. So, so as as Mark describes to um, the audience who's, who's watching this film, the the idea behind flat Earth is that the Earth is flat, and that there are giant ice rocks. Think of imagine yeah. the world as a pe- uh, uh, in the same way that Dark City portrayed it as a petri dish. Yeah. Right. The the surface is flat. Um, the there are giant ice walls that surround the world that keep us and the water and everything on from from floating into outer space, and and then there's there's um, uh, some disagreement within the flat Earth community as to whether or not there is some sort of dome that exists over the top of us. Uh-huh. You know those movies, movies like The Matrix, movies like Dark City, movies like The Truman Show all coming out in and around where most of these people would be at their most formative stages, putting you in a mindset that you can't trust anything, you know? And then of course there's the, there's the popular idea that we fake the moon landing. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, and especially if you're a flat earther, you believe that, but you don't have to be. I, I think, uh, I, I think a lot of conspiracy theorists that even believe the world is round don't believe we've been to the moon. Right. Well, I think I felt like the believing that the moon landing was a hoax is sort of the gateway drug to flat earthing. Yeah, it might have grown from that because uh, that that one has definitely been around uh, in a lot more popular form than this more recent uh, YouTube fueled flat Earth conspiracy theories. Well, and it feels like you know the popular theory behind the faking of the moon landing was that Stanley Kubrick was hired yeah. to 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 shoot the moon landing on a soundstage, right? Yeah. And um, there is some evidence that, that some photos, photos were doctored that has been proven. Um, the, the most common explanation is that some of the film footage got destroyed in okay. the radiation and, and, and reentry. And so rather than just chalk that, that up as a loss, NASA has made, had made a few decisions to doctor some photos in order to actually portray what the, what the astronauts actually experienced. And you don't need a couple of those, right? And and if you just and if one thing proves to be false, then it opens the door to why to believe any of it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if uh, you know, uh, it's the same thing with the nine eleven attack. Uh, some terrorists attacked the World Trade Center, but uh, you know, in a moment of great chaos and panic and confusion, a lot of stuff looked strange and was hard to explain by uh, conventional ways, and um, it led to this whole. Uh, you know, market of people trying to come up with their own theories. You know, these, these researchers that are uh, constantly on the internet trying to, you know, they, they call it researching, but it's just really, it's just Google searching really. And they're just reading websites and kind of echoing around these ideas until they become so solid that it completely changes the way you see the world. Well, they fall victim of confirmation bias. Absolutely. You know, yeah. They have they have just made the decision as to what the reality or what the answer is, and they silo themselves with other people who think just like them, and they search for answers within that very isolated, very homogenized group. Yeah. It. it what are What are some other films that encourage this kind of stuff? Uh, I mean, you got stuff like They Live. You know, that's. That's a great, they live. they live. We talked about that last time, John Carpenter's film uh, from uh, 1988. It's a great movie, but I think a lot of people felt like that was the kind of, you know, the kind of hero they saw themselves as the sort of uh, down on your luck outcast that 
finds out the, uh, the, the secret truth and has to fight for truth. You know, a lot of these guys, they call themselves truthers, right? Uh, You know, it's, and it's, it, they don't consider themselves the way they see the world as an alternative way of seeing it. They, they consider themselves as the, uh, you know, the, the only bearers of truth that are trying to show everybody what's really going on. I, I, I made a valiant attempt to watch Alex Jones on the Joe Rogan podcast recently. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he starts the episode off sort of trying to tone it down. Uh-huh. You know, I think after his, after, after he got into the, the whole Sandy Hook and, and was that faked or was that not faked and, and yeah. making comments to, that, that led people to, to reach out to the parents and send death threats. And he claims he never, he never ever advocated for that, but I think it put him it put him within the scope of some crazy people, maybe for the first time, and made him realize that maybe he had overstepped his boundaries, right? So so you're watching this, and you're watching him, and what you think is him sort of maybe coming to some sort of self-realization that he's pushed things too far, and then he starts ranting about human pig embryos and, and killing the babies, and, and you just see that he spins off as a top, and he just gets... And and as he gets deeper into his conspiracy, his blood pressure rises and his voice increases, and he just get, builds him up into this frenzy, right? Yeah, he can't help himself. You you gave that a valiant effort to listen to, man. I listened to the whole four hours and forty five minutes. I could. I got. I, a I, I went for it. Yeah, I had it playing in my car, and I just kind of when I could listen to it in my headphones at work. I I, I don't know why. I just <laughs> something sounds like <laughs> I've got to hear this whole thing. And you're right. He can't help himself. He. You could tell it was a real attempt to come out there and be this reasonable guy and show that he's not the guy that's, um, you know, responsible for uh, victims of tragedies being uh, terrorized by conspiracy theorists, uh, because that's what that's the cost of it. That's what happens a lot is uh, these people uh, with their conspiracy theories, they start to see everything is fake. So when a, a major tragedy happens, they start targeting the victims uh, well, well, the uh, the parents and the family members of the victims right. because they believe they are actors and and they are very very cruel in their targeting. They do some horrible things, and so he didn't want he wanted to go on the Joe Rogan show and try to absolve himself of responsibility for that, and it didn't work, man. He no. yeah he by the end of the thing he is going on about elves and aliens and the devil. And uh, yeah, human pig hybrids. We we had that quote on the show. It was right. it wasn't really much of a quote, but I, that actually was was someone uh, telling me off on YouTube uh, last week when I <laughs> kind of questioned the credibility of some of these claims. I want to make a shirt of that quote. <laughs> it's yeah, but but I mean, it's they were so, there's so so much smugness in that that do you yeah. not you know when they ask me like do you just not think it's like and that's the thing, man, with these people that are coming up with these conspiracy theories that are part of this community. They, they have that smartest guy in the room smugness that they are, there's no getting into it. They think they're using logic and science and research. And it's a very lazy version of all those terms that they rely on to to make these claims. You just need to stop being a sheeple. Sheeple. Uh, actually the new sheeple was the word for a long time. Oh, is it? uh, uh, but yes, it, and I think it still is and for the most part, but NPC is another one now. You know what that's a reference to? No. Uh, it's like in video games, think of uh, Skyrim, uh, Fallout. You've got these these non-player characters. They're the, they're okay. the people walking around in the okay. game talking yep, to yep, you. Yep. Yeah, and so the way they see the world now is that um, 
the people who are turned on to this kind of secret logic and secret knowledge are the uh, the real people living on Earth. And all of those out there going, that sounds like a goofy conspiracy theory, and I don't believe that stuff. We probably don't even actually have a soul. We are non-player characters that are just here to kind of confuse the thing and, I don't know, uh, challenge their challenge their beliefs so that maybe they'll fall short and not get to heaven. I really don't know where, where we come from, but I've been called that a lot. Uh, a lot of times they, they won't even call you that. They'll just uh, respond to a comment on the internet with a picture of a um, right. kind of a gray faced figure. And that's the, uh, the NPC uh, character that they, and they're saying that they don't, they, that because of your views, whether they're uh, too politically correct, too liberal or um, denying the, uh, you know, secret conspiracy uh, that you're probably not a real person. You're probably just kind of part of the noise of people out there that uh, just sort of go about their daily life, believing everything. And, but like, like the sheeple, yeah, the same thing where you're describing people that disagree with you in a way that um, implies that they don't actually have uh, cognitive thought. Well, so, you know, we asked the question, you know, what movies influence these types of conspiracy minded people, but, you know what that to me that language feels like there's also a great amount of influence coming from video games yeah definitely and and, and i'm not i'm not as big into video games uh, and i'm not as up to date with them as you are but are there are there like video games that that maybe um have influenced this sort of this train of thought and this sort of questioning of real basic science you know Theories. There is some pretty good storytelling going on in video games, and some of those kind of higher concepts do get, uh, you know, taken on. Uh, nothing really comes to mind right now, but um, definitely the uh, just the structure of how video games are done these days with that sort of, um, you know, w- when you play an open world uh, RPG where there's you know mm-hmm. hundreds of different other players on the server, but there's also the the NPCs which are just look identical, but they're milling around and just repeating what they say and they're not actual people. Uh, I think that that logic for sure has become a model for the way a lot of people see uh, reality. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, if you look at some of the biggest film, uh, video game franchises that have come out, the first two that come to mind are the Sims and the, um, grand theft auto film or video games. Yeah. And in both instances, they're what you're describing, right? That these open worlds that you can build things and you can interact and, and you, but you're still kind of, at least in those games, you're still sort of the godlike figure within them. Uh huh. You know, like you have great importance because you are the player, but, but it, you know, it creates a reality in which things aren't real. Oh, you know, another film we haven't even talked about is a movie like Tron, the original Tron. Yeah. You know, going into the video game. And I wonder if, you know, we're the generation that really grew up on video games, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm trying to blame this on video games, but but there's a certain kind of person. One of the things that they talked about on that Alex Jones podcast was that people with schizophrenia are really drawn to conspiracies because right. they already question and don't believe anything, right? And so they're the kind of people that are, like, there's a there's a quote that Joe Rogan has has made a few different times on his podcast, which is that when you have a group that anyone can join, there's going to be a certain percentage of just dumbasses. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that if, uh, I remember when Alex Jones first went on the air, I would listen to some of his stuff, you know, in the early days, the pre nine 11 days, 
Yeah, when, when it, it was, was mostly just talking about the government and uh, and police violence and yeah, uh, right. You know, anti-war. It was actually yeah. He, I remember then, I mean, he was in Richard Linklater films back then. People yeah, respected him. Yeah, and then I remember there was there was a, a podcast that I listened to. A radio, this was back at talk radio. It was a radio program, and he um, he said that there were witches outside of the Frost Bank building. Hmm. holding satanic rituals for Obama, I think. I okay. Was maybe, yeah, it was, maybe it was sure. Bush. And, and I, it was at that moment that I was like, yeah, I got to hop off this train. This well, is... This he, um, he had a... I'm sorry to interrupt, but he, uh, he had a real uh, belief that Obama was some kind of... Um, figure from hell or something you know uh he, he would always say uh, why does obama always have flies on his face and you know he uh what the fuck? yeah he uh he would describe that um i mean they would look for videos of anywhere that they could find uh flies in a uh, you know any i mean they just these people just mine through footage and pictures and and I guess somebody found a couple of videos where he was speaking in the summer. You know, Barack Obama was giving like a speech right. in the summer outdoors and there were some flies. And uh, so they started talking about that Lord of the Flies kind of thing, which is another word for Satan. Right. And then he would say that, uh, you know, people people um, in, in the government have described uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton as both having a very sulfuric smell. Uh, oh, yes, I've heard the, him say yeah, that. Yeah, you know, and, and who knows you know, what the sources, if there are even real sources for that. But, but I mean, that, that whole thing of trying to associate, um, them with, uh, demonic spirits that, um, you know, which we've seen films like the omen and the sequels to the omen where, uh, uh, you know, a demonic, uh, entity becomes a, a figurehead in the government. And, uh, that this is, you know, a lot of people believe in the antichrist. And so there, there are a lot of people just kind of waiting for this kind of stuff to come around and so when this guy's on the air going, you know, hey, guess what? He had flies buzzing around him and he smells like sulfur. And uh, maybe his name means something in uh, some demon Hebrew. I don't know. Right. Wasn't that a point in the in this uh, Beyond the Dome? Was this movie Beyond the Dome? No. Uh, are you talking about the uh, Flat Earth film? Yeah. What's it called? Behind the Curve. Yeah. So that that was another thing in behind the curve. I think at one point NASA is supposed to stand for some sort of. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Remember that it, it was, was like, like, like some Hebrew thing that meant yeah. demon or something stupid. But yeah, that's, that's, exactly. And let's not let's not gloss over this. There is a undercurrent within a lot of these conspiracies of anti-Semitism and racism and nationalism. That, uh, that tends yeah. to that tends to exist, not in every instance, but in a lot of these instances. You know, this idea that there's a cabal of, of Jewish businessmen that are running the earth, uh-huh. right? They even mention it in uh, in the movie, like George Soros, and yeah, and you know, it, it's 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 a strange, it's the strange isolation from what should be common knowledge, in order to find some sort of set of worth. Well, I think that that's true. And also in that example you gave where the guy was saying that, uh, you know, NASA means something in Hebrew uh, that, that implied some kind of evil spirit connection uh, that, you know, that's something that kind of it, it's hard for guys like you and me to hear these conspiracies and see how they could make any sense at all. Because like I was saying earlier, we 
even just, uh, I have a friend that, um, he's, he's a very conservative and the rationale he gives for not believing in uh, global warming is that the, you know, the earth goes through cycles, you know, and this is just a cycle and it's not caused by humans. And right. I always ask him if, if that's the case, you know, and you're, you know, this, and you, you know, this in such a way that you'll even vote for people that have openly destru- destructive uh, policies that just destroy the environment. You know, why, why do you think that so much of the valid scientific research disagrees with you? And he's got no answer for it because it's the thing is if it, or he, well, he's got answers, but they're terrible. It's stuff like, well, scientists get paid, you know, they want to get paid right. a lot, but it's a big conspiracy. But, yeah. But these aren't people that get paid a lot. That's the thing. All of the, I mean, the researchers coming up with this data, uh, yeah, maybe there are people higher up in their organizations that have decent paychecks, but for the most part, these are not people that are enjoying some kind of, you know, affluent lifestyle because they've cooperated with the, with the, um, conspiracy. And so you have, you have to start asking them, you know, we, we know that they're not all wealthy. So is it that they're all being threatened? Uh, the safety of their lives are being threatened. And if it requires so many people to cooperate, to keep these things secret, then why aren't people coming forward? Why, you know, why aren't there leaks? Because well, but it's, there, it's there too are. many There are whistleblowers everywhere, but there's not, that's the that's thing. Uh, no. I mean, they're, the, the people that they, I mean, maybe every once in a while, some, you know, some goofball, but, uh, and oft, oftentimes what they end up doing is just referring you to films that they watched yeah, rather yeah. than, rather than provide an actual explanation for a very logical question, you know? Right. So it's always like, well, watch this video, watch this thing. And it's, and it doesn't ever really make any sense or like it can just, they just kick the can down the road. It completely breaks down. I mean, sometimes right. when you see this stuff in the real context, because they're watching these things out of context. They're watching these things under the, you know, the, the lens of, of the conspiracy theorists. But when you see this stuff out of context, you realize how far fetched it is, man. When, uh, you know, I, I talk, I was telling you about the, well, we listened we both listened to the Joe Rogan mm-hmm. podcast with Alex Jones, but you know, I was telling you, uh, that I accidentally listened to like two hours of the, uh, ep- the episode from a couple of years ago where he was on the show. Oh yeah. I, I didn't know it was the, yeah, I was trying to find the current one cause everybody was telling me how crazy it was. So I just to, you know, Googled Joe Rogan and uh, Alex Jones. And I found this episode from a couple of years ago where he was on the show and this was, um, taking place during the, uh, well, it was about a year after Trump got elected, I guess it's probably 2017. And, and this was, uh, still kind of some of the pizza gate stuff was fresh. Oh God. Yeah. And they fresh, started, fresh pizza gate. Yeah, that's right. Fresh out of the oven. <laughs> and they, so I'm watching this and they're talking about, you know, ping pong pizza. And, and, and just like in the most recent episode, Alex Jones is trying to absolve himself because there was a man that went into that pizza restaurant with a gun trying to save the children, uh, a firefighter. He, I mean, he, I think he drove from hours away and just popped in with a gun and was saying, where are the dungeons? And, uh, uh, police had to come. He took some hostage, hostages. And then, um, uh, as I understand it, uh, when they, he had started kicking in doors, trying to find the basement where the dungeons were. And when he had kicked in the final door, uh, he, uh, realized it was, it was just a computer room, uh, for, you know, bookkeeping and stuff. Right. And that was, I think that's when he laid down his weapons and realized he'd made a mistake. But, uh, you know, Alex Jones got blamed for that and, uh, by a lot of people. And, 
so he was on the show trying to absolve himself of that. But he, once again, he couldn't couldn't help himself. You know, he starts talking about uh, innocent pizza place. I had nothing to do with it. But as the conversation progresses, they start talking about the goth bands that played there that encourage pedophilia and that uh, I've seen videos of these goth bands that are just sick as can be that, uh, you know, and the pedophile audience and the goth goth bands. And I'm going, hey, I what is going on? What are they talking about? You know, because I, I like goth bands. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm going, what? And, and I like pizza. Yeah, yeah, I like all this stuff. But, you know, I'm saying, what, what bands are they talking about? And then this name comes up, Amanda Kleinman. They, they both said, Joe Rogan said it and then Alex Jones said it. And I said, that sounds kind of familiar. What the hell? So, so I did a Google search for Amanda Kleinman and she is a uh, keyboardist out of Washington, DC. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I showed you that music. It's awesome. And right, uh, yeah. there, there used to be this band called the apes and they would come and, uh, I would go see them at emos here in Austin when they would come to town. Great band. And, uh, Amanda had this character that she would play called majestic ape where she would wear this ski mask and kind of be real cheeky and silly. And uh, mm-hmm. just it was just a fun thing that she would do. And she started a new band called Heavy Breathing, which tra- and, that, and that Majestic Ape character kind of transferred over. But right. um, she's kind of the, you know, the front. Per- she, she's the, the person in the front now. She's the one that, like, leads the band. So whenever you see Heavy Breathing, you get a whole... Often, while they're tuning up, you get a big dose of... The majestic ape character just telling jokes and kind of doing some weird improv stand-up stuff before the show goes on, and so they had watched this video where, being a Washington D.C. band, they played at a local venue, Pink, Comet right. Ping Pong Pizza, right. the the place uh, the the famous Pizza Gate location, and she um, as this character wearing the ski mask, she makes a comment about how they're actually underneath a Subway sandwich shop. Because uh, I guess there's a subway located above Comet Pink. Oh, right, right, right. So um, she then she says something about, uh, you know, Jared hangs out here a lot. He right. likes He likes the world music because, uh, right. I mean, and, you know, Jared was the spokesperson for Subway and he was, uh, was an actual pedophile. Right. So now you have, she, she says something, yeah, Jared hangs out here a lot. He likes the world music. And then people in the audience start shouting, and he likes little boys and children you know, kind of making Jared jokes, basically. Right. And she replies, we all have preferences with this, you know, in a kind of a poor taste, uh, joking way. Yeah, right. And that video uh, got targeted by this Pizzagate conspiracy community. And I mean, things lit up, man. This, I mean, this poor artist, this keyboardist, had death threats, you know, I mean, you know, the whole, the whole formula, they all come right, after you, you right. death threats. You have, uh, people finding out your address, people finding out everything about you, your whole history. There's YouTube channels devoted to their band and, uh, just about how they are pedophiles and they're, you know, and this, this whole weird narrative that they're not just, uh, a pedophilia themed band, which they're not at all. Let's try to, I mean, look at their albums, try to find anything, but there's, there's nothing, right. but that they are, the, the band that performs during the rituals that where they kill the children. And I mean, they're the most evil band in the world. And yeah. And it's all just the, uh, the, you know, the really cool project of this uh, innovative keyboard player uh, that lives in Washington, DC. Uh, you know, uh, yep. one of the, one of the things you're asking like movies that influenced, um, I don't know that this is a movie that influences, but it, it definitely feels like there's some parallels from, 
from some scenes in this movie to like let's say Alex Jones. Uh-huh. One of the things that Alex Jones kept bringing up in the podcast on Joe Rogan was his dad, a lot. Yeah, you know his father this, his father that, and it kind of reminds me of the end of American History X, where they're sitting at the dinner table. Oh they, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about playing that clip because what was his, his brother died and they interview the dad and the dad says this racist rant on the air. Yeah, and he's got he's got some like and they're sitting at the dinner table and he's just doing some what what people would like to refer to as casual racism. Uh-huh. Right, it's, it's not affirmative action; it's affirmative blackshin, which I think is a lot. You know, what, is that a line from that, the movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ed, Ed Norton's dad plays, and so as I'm watching the Alex Jones interview, and I'm watching how often he refers to his dad and his dad's, you know, he's a barber. He was a barber near the, near some sort of like government building, I guess, and so somehow they told him all the secrets. And, and that's how he had inside knowledge of all these things that were happening on high levels because they would tell him as their, as their barber. Oh right? yeah. 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 And also I think his grandfather had something to do with it too, uh, because he was part of a German community of Americans and his grandfather learned a lot about the Nazis and aliens and technology. Yeah. I remember that. That was weird. Yeah, so I, you know, I wonder when we're talking about the things that influence the sort of the, the, the people from this this documentary, or just in general, I wonder if it's it's that undercurrent of of anti government belief that just starts to spiral out. You know, every generation it passes through. Well, since the '60s, uh, people have been referencing the Manchurian Candidate. You know, right. So- Frank Sinatra, uh, where they got the sleeper brainwashed guy that they activate him, and uh, they use that kind of terminology a lot. Activation and uh, right. Deactivate. Well, if you if you look at the the movies in the the nineties that Oliver Stone did, you know JFK, JFK, yeah, you know that's a big movie that that sort of reunited the the Kennedy assassination conspiracy. Yeah, you know, opened the door for that. Um, I think even more more contemporary movie. And real life scenario like Spotlight, where you know journalists are trying to discover or uncover the pedophilia ring within the Catholic Church. Oh yeah, and that's the thing too. Like you were talking about, there's often, you know, a lot of these conspiracy theories are just expanded on true things that unfortunately do happen. And 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 yeah, if you can see where a whole pedophilia ring was happening in the Catholic Church. And it's only now really coming out and people are really, you know, listening to the uh, the accusers and, and finally getting uh, convictions that uh, what else could there be? And, and so you just, you know, obviously, if you're a uh, kind of a conservative American person, it might not be too hard for you to believe that the Democratic Party is uh, behaving just like those uh, preachers were or those priests were. Yeah, so. no, it's it's it's. It's strange that they fixate on conspiracies that aren't real, and you know they kind of gloss over those and they get to more. And I think I think that's uh, that that in that is influenced by, you know, reality television. You know, you you it, yeah. reality television is often you know starting all the way back from like the real world, and road rules and the, the kind of content that MTV was doing. It was um, it's the best seasons were always the more salacious. Right. And I think we're influenced by being drawn to more entertaining content. And so a conspiracy that a bunch of religious figures are 
pedophiles are just being moved around to new areas doesn't seem quite as salacious for whatever reason as believing that the earth is flat. Yeah, or that the uh, pizza restaurant is a secret underground uh, abuse dungeon for children, you know. Did I tell you, we actually had a guy here in Austin that tried to claim that uh, Eastside Pies, one of Austin's uh, favorite pizza places, they're awesome. Right. Uh, he tried to, he made a, he made a two hour special on, put it on YouTube about how they were part of Pizzagate. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> that thing was up for a day and then he got, got scared and he took it down. But well, once again, getting back to that context thing, I mean, he was literally inside the pizza restaurant talking about what was punk flyers, you know, fly, flyers on the poster, on the, uh, uh, board for punk shows that were happening that week. And he's describing the art on these flyers and talking about how it's secret symbols for, um, pedophiles. And it's all, you know, every, he's just, I mean, looking through this whole place, all the decorations, their symbol, uh, the, the their logo, uh, anything he could find. Uh, he, I mean, he described at one point, uh, a woman was playing dominoes at a table with a couple of children while they were eating pizza. Mm-hmm. And he got chills down his spine because he, he just knew that she was uh, keeping those kids there because of probably a uh, pedophile client was coming in later to purchase them or something. I mean, it was, it was mania, but he put this video out and all of Austin just started letting him know there's going to be some serious repercussions unless you take this down because uh, or if you don't take this down, because, uh, you know, this is a local business and they are good people and what you're doing is it has real victims. And, that's, and we've had victims in Austin of this kind of stuff, too. Uh, there's a, a local uh, musician slash indie actor uh, calls himself Johnny Walker. Okay. Uh, did you ever meet that guy back when you lived here? I don't think so. But I, I have met Johnny Walker on numerous occasions uh, at my local <laughs> yeah, well, so have we all. But uh, <laughs> he's the nicest guy in the world, man. And he kind of resembled one of the parents from Sandy Hook okay. uh, back around that time. Right. And the uh, conspiracy community accused him of being a crisis actor, as they call it, which is uh, someone that pretends to be a victim in these things. And so they said that this, you know, they, they took the footage of this guy getting interviewed by the news because his child had died and they matched it side by side with pictures of Johnny saying, yeah, he's, it's, he's the same guy. He's an actor. And, right. you know, meanwhile, Johnny's just, you know, working at restaurants and doing little gigs, trying to get his rent paid. And, uh, these guys are, uh, next thing you know, he's got to remove all of his social media, any, any search for him, anything that he, any page he had up trying to promote himself now has a huge disclaimer about how he leave me alone. I'm not that person. Like I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And uh, once again, death threats, uh, doxing, that's where they find your address right. and all your personal info. Uh, he was totally exposed and for nothing. I mean, if he, and all of us that knew this guy, he's just the most harmless, cool guy, but right. that his life got turned upside down for about a year because well, and, of this community. And that's, that's where these conspiracies take a very dangerous turn, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but it's, you know, it, but still just the, uh, the existence of the, of the community of, you know, these non-reality people that are just kind of using loose, loose evidence here and there to kind of stitch together a narrative that they will swear by. I mean, that's, that's solid. Like that's uh, it doesn't, you don't need the outliers to, 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 to do that. I, I mean, when you look at the, the YouTube comments for that band we were talking about earlier, heavy breathing, 
it's it's solid man it's it's 98 percent people threatening their lives calling them pedophiles saying they're from the devil saying they're gonna go to hell and then every once in a while you get hey great song you guys are great great album <laughs> I mean, in, in, in the mix of um yeah that being some sort of satanic foot soldier Exactly. But like good, good luck finding those comments from people who are here in reality because of the rest of it. I mean, it's just about how, and, and the crazy thing too, is the majestic ape, uh, Amanda's character that she plays on stage. People don't even believe it's her. That's a whole subset of this is like people who believe that the ski mask is actually, uh, a, um, the owner of the pizza place, a man named, uh, James Alafantis, I think you say. And, uh, they, yeah, and there's and so there's all these side by side comparisons of look at his mouth and then look at look at the mouth of majestic apes. That's all you can really see is the mouth, and they're uh, you know trying to find out the secret identity. And it's man, it's just this keyboard player from a punk band. Man, uh, there was another band called uh, Sex Sex Stains that played at Comet Ping Pong, and they're they're the same thing. You go to their you know their social media, and the first thing you see is this disclaimer that we are not pedophiles. This that's horrible and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a bummer. It's like there's a fall, there's a fallout. There's a there's victims to these conspiracy theories because you have to, uh, you know, you have to stitch all these pieces together into something that works. And uh, if you can't do that, you know, you have to have things like the devil, aliens, you know, all of this. It it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, uh, and you have to keep making, uh, you know, more more crazier claims to justify the uh, the small one that you started with. And do you think do you think it's these movies like Truman Show or The Matrix that are that are driving these people? Or like, do you think that introducing these ideas um, can potentially be dangerous? See, I don't know uh, that because the the Truman Show that uh, that book I was talking about, what he calls uh, that suspicious minds, what, what Joel Gold called call Joel Gold calls the Truman Show delusion. Uh, he, I mean, he says that after. You know, after that movie came out, after a few years of that being in the, you know, kind of in the public pool of thought, these um, mentally unstable people started having this delusion that they were in a situation like that movie. So, right. so d- definitely with the, uh, you know, people who are already suffering from some kind of mental disorder, it definitely does encourage that. But as far as people who would otherwise be rational i i know i don't think there's people who like they see a movie and then they just believe that from now on but i do think that it 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 definitely helps give them the model you know the mental model of how something like what they're believing could work right and i i do think they build off of it uh but there isn't there is something that i do think directly um does influence uh because you, you were talking earlier about uh kind of racism uh, when I when I talked about we were talking about that Hebrew word and how there's right. this whole like globalist thing but uh, so this is a little different we've been mostly talking about conspiracy theories right now uh, and how uh, kind of fiction kind of helps loosen up the reality for a lot of people but um, in uh, back in 2001 Fox ran a, a new kind of action series starring Kiefer Sutherland oh yeah, yeah called 24 you remember that show? I, I do. Know, I do. Hell, it might even still be around. I, I don't watch uh, a lot of network television anymore. No, but, I don't um, think so. <laughs> but uh, that that show, uh, I think, did a lot for influencing uh, anti-Islamist uh, racism, uh, anti-Arabic racism. It, it, it sort of uh, p- 
pitched these, you know, because what was he? he was an FBI agent that was fighting terrorists. Right. And um, yeah, that show specifically, uh, it showed these people in such a bad light and such a crazy, which terrorists are bad, of course, but it, it's the way that there's no other examples around these characters of, uh, you know, normal good people that are from that region. And right. It, it sort of encourages this ide- ideology. And, and it did another thing, too. You know, you you and I were talking recently about uh, the uh, Abu Ghraib uh, prison and yeah. uh, how they were kind of torturing the prisoners. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those photos came out of them humiliating the prisoners. And then we find out they were doing stuff like all kinds of that. They were, uh, you know, the the government, the, the Bush administration had been hiring um, really young men to be the interrogators, uh, inexperienced young men to be the interrogators because the uh, older, more experienced interrogators won't do torture because they know it doesn't work. Right. So, so they need and, someone a little bit more naive. Yeah. So they were hiring these young men to torture people. And when this came out, there wasn't a lot of shock in the American public uh, because we seem to all think that torture was the way to get results. Right. And there's a, um, there's a guy named Joe Navarro. He was an FBI agent uh, and a supervisor. He's kind of, he's one of the FBI's, or at least back then, I, I don't know, he was one of the FBI's main experts on interrogation. And he's written books about how, you know, what good interrogation methods are and what bad ones are. And pretty much, if you want results, you've got to outsmart people. You've got to befriend people. You've got right. to get them on your side. That's, I mean, these are the ways real FBI interrogators get results. Well, and, and in real life too, right? That, what no, that's what I'm old, talking about. Say, yeah, you no. attract a fly with honey. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I am talking about real life too. He's a real FBI interrogator. And, well, right, right, right. But, but I'm saying in like average Joe's life. Yes. Uh, and I was listening to an episode of uh, Fresh Air on NPR with uh, Terry Gross. It's an interview show. And mm-hmm. Joe Navarro was the uh, the guest that night. And he was talking about that show 24 that he, he noticed this weird thing going on when he was giving classes to, uh, you know, F- in the FBI, he gives classes uh, to, to people who will be in, become interrogators. He's kind of the, uh, the trainer. And he started noticing that as he was giving these lectures on, you know, effective interrogation methods and how ineffective torture is, he starts getting these questions, arguments, really students, you know, young men in the class, young women are arguing with him that they don't think he's right. That torture does work. And they start giving these examples that are like, let's say there's a, I've got a terrorist in the interrogation seat and I've only got 36 hours to find out where a bomb is somewhere in the city. And they're really, they're really, I mean, legitimately, in an FBI classroom, they're asking the instructor questions like this. And he's going, there has never been a situation like that in FBI history. What are you talking about? You know, and he, right. and he, di- he didn't know what was happening until he saw that show 24. And he realized that all of his students had been watching this show on Fox where Kiefer Sutherland is trying to find bombs. and There's only so much time and he's got to torture people uh, t- in order to make it work. Yeah, it's re- it's it's the magic of cinema and the magic of strong storytelling, be it television or even music, right, is is to make you feel something. Uh huh. I, you know, a great movie will make you walk out of the theater and feel like you you too are a ninja turtle, right? Yeah. You too are part of a space rebellion. Um, you know, that's that's what makes filmmaking so intriguing. But but also, you know, twenty four or shows like that. You know, all those. Um, 
Tom Clancy type novels and you know that 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 whole idea of American espionage for the wrong kind of person can make you feel like that is real. Yeah. And that's the real way to handle things and that you are really this, you know, John Wayne-esque, you know, Chuck Norris-esque figure. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like uh I think there was a shooting recently uh oh my goodness. Uh, I want to say uh, the Stoneman Douglas school uh where the um one of the security guards or a police officer in there uh i think he left the building or something he he didn't do a good job basically he but uh you even had the president saying man if i was in there i would have saved those kids and all oh right you know uh, yeah and it's yeah because people they do they 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 watch these films and they go yeah that would be me i'd be that hero i'd be that guy cuz that's that's the thing that you want. You want to escape into the, you know, into the character of a hero when you watch a film and it, it's a good feeling. It makes you feel like you could do that. You know, you could be that guy. And, and often, uh, a lot of these movies start out with the hero being a normal person that, right. you know, through a series of conditions has to like find this greater strength and save the day. And, and so, um, well, well, there's a strong, there's a, there's a sort of method of storytelling, which is, literally called the hero's journey yeah and if you watch a lot of movies star wars the original star wars being a great example of that you can see this pattern of how these you take an everyday character and you make them an extraordinary character by the end of the film yeah and you know we've over the last couple of podcasts maybe last even three we've talked about how so much of the audience that is absorbing entertainment who's going seeking out entertainment and and perpetuating movies supporting movies they're living in a world that doesn't fulfill them doesn't make them feel deep worth meaningful worth yeah and so i think there's a obviously there's a level of escapism and that's kind of the point of it right that's why movies and film do well no matter economic conditions because you still always need that escape i think what you are what, what is happening though is that as the world gets more weird Right. We talked about that last week as we're in this post Trump election era and the world is a very surreal place. Mm -hmm. I think you have people losing themselves further and further into these created identities. Yeah, everybody's their own uh, own lead role in in their own story and uh, everybody wants to be the hero. Right. So questioning, uh, you know, watching beyond the curve. Behind. Do you think. I'm sorry, behind the curve, uh, behind the curver dome. Do you think a, a documentary like that will serve to dissuade people from getting into Flat Earth? Or do you think that it's just going to open the door for more recruits into this, you know, this thought, this, I don't know what to call them, this, this group of, of deniers? Well, I feel like it's going to probably attract some people to the movement. But I think that it also showed enough of the opposition, which are true scientists and people that really know, to um, maybe also call some uh, awareness that this problem is out there and start getting people involved in the uh, counterargument. There's a part where Mark Sargent says the reason we're winning is because all that scientists have to prove us wrong is math. And all where we have just 
regular observation, something along those lines. It's like, right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. If we can start getting people to understand why, if someone has the math to prove you wrong, you're wrong. You know, we need to enhance education, uh, counteract all that stuff. And I, and I do think that that film, I think it's more positive than negative. I think it will encourage a lot of people to kind of start the fight to sort of promote reality and, and, you know, do what they can whenever encountered with this stuff to not just ignore it and go, Oh, you're crazy. But to realize, uh, there's another quote from our, uh, something that another scientist in the film says where kind of every, every flat earth, uh, believer is a, uh, a, just a scientist that got lost, you know, out there that we need to bring yeah. back, you know, cause they're curious, right. they're curious people and they're good intentioned people and they are searching for the truth and we just need to kind of guide them back to, to say, you know, Hey, here's where you went wrong and then get them back on the track of, uh, on the path of, of actual science. Right. Well, that's, that's one of the great thing about movies and storytelling of that sort of cinema is that it, it generally when done right, does such a great job of conveying an idea in a way that people can understand, you know, it's not, it's not a, a lecture with big, big weighty words and references to history and obscure quotes and, and, um, you know, numbers and equations that go over people's head. It, it, it takes a theme, it takes a message and it sort of boils it down to something that's really understandable and, and can move people. So hopefully people watch behind the curve and come away with it with a renewed interest in promoting actual reality and actual science. Uh, I think I can speak for you that we believe that the earth is round because it fucking is. Yes. It's definitely so just knock it off guys. <laughs> There's so many more interesting things you can do. And you're right. These are smart people in their own right. They're, they're definitely driven people. So let's, uh, but you guys, you guys watch it, you guys watch it and you guys tell us, uh, feel free to message us on our Instagram grindhouse podcast. And let's continue this discussion. Let's have the debate. Let's have the talk it out. Let's, Let's lay, let's lay our evidence on the table and, and let the fates decide which is truth and which is uh, fake reality. Yeah, and if you know any, um, you know, we talked a lot in this episode about victims of the uh, conspiracy community and, you know, people that, that some of which we knew personally that aren't, uh, you know, that are innocent people that have become part of the fallout. And if you know of any other examples like that, uh, send them our way because we might, we might visit this subject again in the future because... It's something we, we kind of talk about a lot. So if you think there's a chance that uh, you are the um, star of your own reality show and uh, that all of your life is a lie and you're listening to this show right now, I promise you that the producers of your show would not put something as boring as our show in there. <laughs> so <laughs> just consider that, that, you know, this would be a lot better of a production if, uh, if that were true. You've been listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Of Course It's Round Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and wherever all fine podcasts can be found.